Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 181. There is nothing like having your own private oasis to spend the day, and when on a Royal Caribbean cruise, guests can enjoy a day in paradise when visiting Labadee. This private destination in Haiti is a stop many guests look forward to on each sailing, including myself, and this week, we share our guide to Labadee with explanations of what to expect when you arrive, a look at the fun activities offered, and options to enhance your visit. Here we go. At the heart of any Royal Caribbean cruise is the idea that you're going to be visiting lots of great places all around the world. And if you're on a Caribbean cruise, there's a pretty good chance that you might be stopping at Royal Caribbean's private destination of Labadee. In fact, it's become one of my favorite places to go, despite the fact that I've been here oh, more than at least a half dozen times, not closer to a dozen at this point. And really, a day in Labadee is about relaxing and enjoying a beach day, but there's also lots going on. And in this week's episode, I want to focus on providing a guide, an overview of what to expect on Labadee and how to plan for your day in Labadee. Now, as I mentioned, Labadee is Royal Caribbean's private destination. It's actually not an island. Oftentimes, you'll hear it referred to as an island. It's not. It's actually a peninsula, and it's run and operated by Royal Caribbean. It's a piece of land leased from the Haitian government. And it is a 260-acre private beach resort that allows guests to go here when Royal Caribbean ships stop here. So you don't really have any other locals other than some people who work here. Or there's also a little artist in village. We'll get into that a little bit later. But really, this is a private area. This is not like visiting Cozumel in which you have an part of the country that's operating on its own and you are cruise visitors who are interacting with locals and you know visiting an otherwise normal place of life. When cruise ships are not here, nothing's going on here. So this area was designed exclusively for Royal Caribbean guest use. And I think when you're approaching a day in Labadee, you just have a lot of options, none of which are overwhelming or none of which require a whole lot of planning. But I do think it is a good idea to have a pretty good sense of what you want to do in Labadee before you get there. So that way you have a great day in Labadee. Now, let's start off with what you need to do before you even go ashore. Certainly, uh, you're going to probably be in the water in Labadee. And for that reason, you should get towels for you to use. Now, there won't be towels provided on the island or in Labadee itself, so what you're going to have to do is get them from the pool deck. Shouldn't be a problem at all. You just get them up there and return them when you're done, so something to keep in mind. Now, in terms of exploring Labadee, there's a lot going on here. Uh, Royal Caribbean's added a lot over the years. It's more than just a beach and some chairs around. There is, it's a fairly large area, definitely walkable, I think you can get from one end to the other fairly easily. But again, depending on how hot and sunny it is, it may or may not be that enjoyable to do so. Royal Caribbean does provide tram service throughout the Labadee uh, area. There is a, a tram path that basically cuts right through the middle of Labadee and provides access on to both shores. There is a north and south shore of Labadee, and the you know the the difference between getting from the south shore to the north shore or vice versa. You know, you're, you're at most is maybe a, a 10 minute walk. I don't even think it's quite that much. Labadee is is more rectangular in shape, so it's lengthwise it's it's rather large. But you know, from one side to the other side in terms of height, not that much. It's it's uh, kind of a very narrow uh, peninsula. So again, easy to walk across, especially if you just get it from point A to point B. But if you have young children, if it's extremely hot out, if you're looking to take a little bit easier, or if you want to, you know not exert yourself as much and save that energy for in the water or something else you're doing on there. Certainly the tram service is the way to go. And tram service is complimentary, by the way. It's available. There's a, You'll see tram stations. And basically the tram itself is a tractor that pulls a number of covered cars. You hop in, hop out whenever you want. And it's it serves two purposes. Obviously to get from point A to point B, but also allows you to explore 
Labadee. And if it's your first time in Labadee, it may not be a bad idea just to hop on there at some point and just go for a ride, do a do a whole circuit, you know, and be able to see everything that's that's out there because there is a lot to to see and do in Labadee. And that's why I think you know understanding what's available to you may make for a uh, something an experience you weren't planning on, and also for future visits you may have you know make a mental hmm. Columbus Cove, I didn't see that before. Maybe I want to go check it out. So definitely something to keep in mind. Speaking of transportation, something else that's kind of new in Labadee is when your your cruise ship docks in Labadee. There's a dock that Royal Caribbean built a number of years ago, and you get off the ship, you walk to the island. Now, maybe a few steps off that dock, there is a new water taxi kind of thing that will actually bring you to Columbus Cove. Now, this is kind of hard to describe if you're not looking at a map of Labadee, but Essentially, as I mentioned, it's a peninsula, but the furthest beach is a beach called Columbus Cove, and Columbus Cove is a rather wide area of beach, but it's less crowded because it requires more people to get there, and a lot of, I think a lot of guests who get off the ship and walk off the pier will run into a number of other beaches first, so, you know, it, it's hard for a lot of folks to bypass that. I'm not going to go to these other beaches that are a lot closer. I'm going to go to the beach that's all the way far away. So, Royal Caribbean built this water taxi station. You hop on there, again, it's complimentary. You get on there, it brings you right to the Columbus Cove. I mean, this is like a, I, I wouldn't even say it's five minutes. It probably takes longer to, to queue up than it does to actually get over there. But it's a neat option. And if your goal is to get over to Columbus Cove, it is probably uh, certainly faster than walking there. I mean, using the tram, as I mentioned earlier, possibility. But, you know, in the morning, it's a great choice, especially if you know you're going to that area already. Bam, you can take a, a direct trip and bypass a whole lot of walking. So definitely something to keep in mind. Now, once you get into Labadee, uh, if you're walking, assuming you didn't take that water taxi, there's quite a bit. There's, essentially, there's a number of beaches that make up Labadee, almost like neighborhoods on an Oasis-class ship. There are a number of beaches that make up Labadee's uh, area. And there's five main beaches, and I think most guests who come to Labadee are going to go to one of these five beaches, depending on what you're looking to do. Now, one of those beaches is for suites only. It's the Barefoot Beach Club. It, a long time ago, it was available to everybody, but since then, it's been it's closed and reserved only for guests who are staying in a suite, in a uh, grand suite or above on the Royal Caribbean ships. So keep that in mind. But the rest of the beaches are open for everybody to use. And it's really just a first-come, first-serve. There are chairs and umbrellas provided. The There will be actually locals there to help you set them up. Now, that being said, it's customary to give them a tip for setting up. What they're going to do is they're going to – you tell them, oh, I'd like a chair, and I want three chairs, and I want them over here, and I want an umbrella. And they'll set up for you. They'll dig the, the hole for the umbrella. They'll put the umbrella in there, and they'll provide the service for you. And you give them a couple dollars to uh, for, for their time, and you'll get set up. As I mentioned, it's on a first-come, first-served basis, so the earlier you get off the ship, the better. I'm generally of the opinion you should get off as early as possible to secure a spot. It generally behooves you to uh, be able to take advantage of that because, again, you'll be the least crowded. You'll have the most opportunity to choose where you want to be, and depending on what you're looking for in your beach experience, that may or may not be a preference. As, as an example, there are some hammocks available. There are certain chairs that are actually underneath trees. There's far more vegetation in Labadee than I feel on Royal Caribbean's other private destination of Coco Cay. So if you're more, if you're looking for more of a you know natural shade, I feel there's a little bit more going on in Labadee. But again, umbrellas are available for you to to use as well. And as as I mentioned earlier, um, I think most guests end up in Adrenaline Beach. So essentially, when you get off of the dock and as soon as you enter Labadee, it's what you're facing. It's the opposite. It's the beach on the opposite side of where your ship docks at. I think it's most the reason why I think most people go there. It is the largest beach. It's also the 
uh, it's the most visible beach. I, I think a lot of people who get off the ship have no, you know, especially new first timers have no idea where any of the beaches are. I mean, certainly, certainly there are signs and there are maps, but people don't read, right? They just look where they look and they see something. And, oh, look, a beach. And they head over there. And I think you're generally going to find the most people at Adrenaline Beach. Although there's nothing to be, there's nothing wrong with the other beaches in there. Uh, Barefoot Beach is wonderful, but again, it's the sweet beach. Nellie's Beach is right next to Barefoot Beach. It's a very small beach, but its advantage is it's still fairly close to the ship, and it's not nearly as crowded as Adrenaline Beach. You don't have nearly as much space over there. What I like about Nellie's Beach is the view is a little bit better. Not only do you have the landscape of, of Haiti to look at, but you also can see your Royal Caribbean ship, which I think makes for nice photos. And Nellie's Beach is pretty comparable to Barefoot Beach. It's a little rocky. In fact, all the water the beach areas can be a little bit rocky. It depends on the time of year and if a storm has kicked up the sand or not. If you have young children, it may make sense to get water shoes for them. Granted, I don't take my own advice. I don't get it from my kids. It really depends on how much they're looking to be in the water versus sitting on the shoreline. If they're on the shoreline, you know, just playing and splashing and building sandcastles, it's fine. If they're going to be running in and out and, you know, kids, they don't look where they're going, that may be a good option to get water shoes for you. I've had mixed experiences where, certainly as an adult, you have to watch where you're stepping. This isn't one of those places like, say, Megan's Bay and St. Thomas where you can just walk wherever you want and not really have to worry about it. There are just rocks. There can be, especially closer to the shoreline in certain areas. On certain, you know, which beaches have are less rocky? It's debatable, and I think it depends on the time of year and again storms, as I mentioned. I remember sometimes it being more rockier than other times, and I think that has to do with, again with the surf and how much sand gets kicked up and whatnot. So, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is it's still very enjoyable, but watch where you're walking. Uh, and certainly, if you want to be safer, you know, safer than sorry, then certainly water shoes are a good idea. Now. Uh, the other beaches I mentioned, uh, there's also Columbus Cove. It's the furthest beach, so it tends to be the less crowded beach, although it's fairly large and offers quite a bit to do. It's also near the water park, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So if you're looking for that, that's on that area. The I would say the only con to uh, Columbus Cove, quite honestly, is that it's the furthest beach. You're going to have to walk the furthest. It's the furthest away from everything, and obviously you have to get back to the ship at some point. So you got a bit of a haul there. But again, the tram is available. It'll bring you there, and you can take advantage of that. Which beach you pick, I think, depends on a lot of factors, especially what time you arrive at the beach. Crowds will build as the day progresses, and most guests tend to fill spots closest to the dock first, and again, extending outwards towards the end of Adrenaline Beach in Columbus Cove. So if you're rolling out of bed at 11 o'clock in the morning, you're going to be walking for a spot, as opposed to if you get off the ship earlier in the morning, you'll have more of a pick of what to do. Regardless of which beach you end up going to, you should bring some cash with you for tips. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the chairs and umbrellas are complimentary, but the locals who man them and staff them will help you set them up, and it's customary to provide a tip for assistance. Otherwise, you should bring towels, as I mentioned earlier, sunscreen, this is some common sense stuff you should probably bring with you, and uh, your C-Pass card you will need to get both uh, back on board the ship. And everything on Labadee is run through the CPAS. It's just like being on board the ship. So if you have a drink package, it works on Labadee. If you want to just buy drinks on there, it's all through there. Uh, and then the other thing, you're, the other reason why you might want to use cash is for the artisan market. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the activities. But those are the primary things you'll probably want to bring. I mean, obviously, sunglasses and maybe some uh, an iPod to listen to or a book to read. Uh, you know, whatever else you need for the water, um, That that's kind of what you're going to bring on board. But try to be as light as you can because there's a lot of walking involved. And I always hate coming back and trying to cram all that stuff in that one beach bag. Suddenly nothing fits anymore when it all fit magically when we get on the ship. Now, in terms of food, there are three lunch locations on Labadee that – offer a barbecue-style lunch, and it is included in your cruise fares. There's, you don't have to pay for food on Labadee, which is nice. Now, there's a number of different options. They all kind of serve the same basic food. You're going to have hot dogs, hamburgers, there's salads, there's chicken, corn, 
and, and a couple other options as well. Uh, the offerings are virtually identical in terms of food selection at every single one. So just pick one that's closest to you and go for it. The thing with the line that I mentioned is lines tend to build, especially right around when they first open, like right around noontime. I think the food starts getting served around 11, 1130. And probably the prime time is right around 11 because people are getting hungry, splashing and doing all the activities on Labadee. So if you can either try to eat really early or later to avoid those lines. I will point out though, there are usually multiple lines. Don't assume the one line you see is the line. There's actually usually two to three, if not more little paths that offer the same exact food on either side. So look for that as an option. Now, another option, if barbecue isn't your thing or you want something else, or there's a variety of reasons why this may be the case, another option is to go back on board the ship. Because your cruise ship is docked in Labadee, it's actually pretty easy to go back on board, hop in there, and be able to enjoy something on board like in the Windjammer, right? For some people, they like this option going back to the ship because of the greater variety, the chance to regroup, and, uh, you know, you know, have something a little more than just hot dogs and hamburgers and whatnot. Now, keep in mind, your time in Labadee is rather limited. So, you know, the time it takes you to get back on board the ship... Go up to the Windjammer, eat. A lot of people then end up saying, yeah, I'm not getting back on board. I'm not going back to the island. So keep that in mind. I, I would say it's probably a better idea if you were to go back to the ship around like 11. You know, it's earlier than later in order to be able to have enough time to return and do something on Labadee. But it is an, a neat option as well. Now, in terms of uh, drinks, plenty going on. There are at least eight bars in Labadee with roaming waiters that will take your order. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the drink on Labadee, which, of course, is the Labadoozy. You may have heard me talk about this before in many other instances. The Labadoozy is the official drink of Labadee. It is a rum-based drink. It's a, basically a fruity drink that has rum in it. It's a frozen drink. What's nice about it, actually, is you can get it for kids or adults. It, basically, it comes... Uh, as a virgin drink and then they, they will add obviously rum to it if you like it or not and it's there's two places you can get it you can get it at any of the bars you can also get it from the wait staff now the wait staff who bring it around you'll see them being served in these uh, sports cups obviously with the sports cup there's a little bit of an additional charge because you're paying for the cup and the drink if you want just the drink itself you need to go to the bar to get it if you're on a drink package a roll and drink package good news labadoozies are included but not with the cup so you're gonna have to go back to the bar to get it for you there but it's a uh, you know it's a cool thing to do. I think if you're on Labadee, especially if you've never done this before, regardless of which trip you've on, you got to have a Labadee when you're on board. It's just sorry. It, it, it's, it's like going to Paris not having a, a croissant or something. You know what I mean? It's just it, – it's it's a fun excuse to have a nice drink on there. So certainly uh, take advantage of it while you're there. And as I mentioned – Drink packages work here, and there's plenty of food on on the island uh, when you have the different barbecue stations, but it's up to you what you want to do in terms of dining. Now, in terms of things to do, there's a lot going on. First and foremost, there's swimming. You can easily spend your entire day just sitting at the beach, going swimming, lounging, sunning yourself. In fact, a lot of people end up doing this. I think this is by far the most popular thing to do. So if you're looking for nothing more than a beach day... This is it for you. But if you're looking for a little more substantive, you want to have a little more fun, there's a lot of activities. Rockabits added a lot to Labadee, and there's far more activities on Labadee than there are on Coco Cay. Chief among them is probably the Dragon's Breath Zipline. It's hard to miss because it's literally right overhead. It's a 2,600-foot zipline that takes guests over the ocean, and it starts up at the very top. Uh, I forgot the name of the mountain that they call it there. Anyway, it comes right down. It's pretty darn cool. Rockabits says it's the longest uh, zipline over water for what that's worth, and it is a cool experience. I've done it before. It's neat. Uh, what you do is you actually have another zipline you go on. There's a practice zipline. It's harder to see, but it's off to the side. Do that one, which is far less <laughs> exciting, and then they take you on a on a truck ride up to the top of the mountain, which 
many people will tell you the truck ride is far scarier than the, than the zip line just because it's a little not exactly a a major interstate in terms of <laughs> the, the state of the road, but it's fine. I mean, you go up there, they they set you up, and you go down. It's a really cool experience. There's undeniably, it is an amazing photo opportunity. It's even more fun to experience yourself. I would suggest that you have someone on shore towards the beach to be able to take photos for you because you're not supposed to bring anything in your hands to uh, to use on there. But it is a really cool thing. The one downside to the to the zip line is it's pricey. At last check, at least the term of this. Uh, recording this podcast, it was just under $100 per person. It's a lot of money for, you know, technically speaking, two zipline rides with the practice and the real thing. But I will tell you that I think it, I I consider it a must do at least once. I don't know saying that you should do it every single time. It is pricey. And, you know, for two people to go and you're spending $200 essentially, it is a lot of money, but it's fun. And it is a cool thing, and I, I think that I was happy that I did it when, when we went on there a number of years ago. So definitely something to do. Now, if you're looking for something a little more uh, – still fun, still thrilling, not quite as crazy, and a little less expensive, the Dragon's Tail Roller Coaster is, uh, is an option for you. It's 680 feet above sea level, and this alpine coaster uses gravity to bring you down the mountain. And so you got some really cool views, and it's also a lot of fun to do. Now, what's neat about it is you can, uh, you can have the option of getting an unlimited ride pass. You can go over and over and over again. This is probably great for older kids who are like, look, Mom, I don't want to go sit in the ocean all day. I want to do something. And if they ride like probably three times, I'm sure they already break even on what it would have cost to purchase those individual rides. And it's an alpine coaster, so it's not a coaster like you go to your local theme park. It's a, it's a, it can accommodate, it's a one car that can accommodate, I believe, two people. And you sit in there, you have a handbrake, and it's up to you how fast or slow you want to go. And it is a really cool thing. Um, it, it's something that if you ever want to check it out, I mean, you can go up to about 30 miles an hour. There are 360-degree turns, and there's dips, waves, curves, and it's pretty cool. And they need to be at least 12 years old to go on there. And children between the ages of 5 and 11 may ride in the same cart as their parent. Um, and it's about 3 to 5 minutes for the total ride. So, again, you can do multiple ones there. The other one, uh, as I mentioned earlier, was the Aqua Park. The Arawak Aqua Park is an aqua park in Columbus Cove. And you'll have trampolines, pyramids, water slides, basically everything you can climb and fall back into the water a number of times. I think this is a very popular option with kids because that allows you to spend a lot of time uh, you know, <laughs> climbing, burning all that energy and spending a lot of time in the water, you're really going to like it. Now, there's another option. There's the Dragon Splash Water Slide, which is actually really close to the Aqua Park and features a 300-foot slide that drops you into an 18-foot splash zone. This is what I'll tell you about the water slide. It's cool. It's a little pricey for what it is, and I, I'm not sure that it would be something that I would say is the top thing to do on there, but... Once again, just like the Alpine Coaster, you can buy an unlimited day pass there and go ride that thing a bunch of times. And if water slides are your thing, it's cool. It's not an it's an open slide, so it's not it's not enclosed, it's not like a tube, but it is a really fun thing. A lot of people do uh, tell me that they enjoy riding on there. Uh, and then the other thing is there's plenty to actually ways to relax on Labadee. We talked about all the kind of the thrill rides and activities, but if your idea of fun is well, I really you know you really enjoy just hanging out and having a little more upgraded experience beyond just maybe a beach chair and an umbrella. Well, there's plenty going on. In fact, Rollerman has added a lot over the years. You can rent beach loungers, which are essentially two chairs underneath this clamshell covering. I did this on a recent trip. It's nice. It's certainly the least expensive upgraded option you can get, and it provides shelter from the sun uh, and a little bit of a private area. Now, for a little more money, you have two other options for you. You have a beach bed. A beach bed is essentially a bed. It's a large bed that can... 
comfortably seat or sleep uh, probably a couple of adults. I would say two full-size adults and maybe some kids. Um, it's more of just a comfy area to sit on. There's not a whole lot of cover for you, but it certainly beats sitting on the ground. An upgraded option from there are the beach bungalows. The bungalows, it's hard to compare. It's one of those things like you need to talk about the cabanas and then the bungalows. The bungalows are not as nice as the cabanas don't offer quite as much they also lack one of the walls that the cabana has but it is a cool experience something relatively new and not as expensive so i guess what i'm trying to say is the bungalows are a good option for somebody who wants a little more privacy than the beach beds or even the loungers and they want to have their own little area but are unwilling to go for the full uh, cabana experience also the beach bungalows are only located on the beach on the sands there's no other options we'll talk about when we talk about the cabanas i think it'll make the bungalows make a lot more sense but they're cool they're located the bungalows are located in columbus cove i saw them when i went there it's a lot of my recent visits i thought they looked really nice and for the price it's really not a bad option they can accommodate up to eight guests that's a lot of people so it's not bad and like i said if you want to treat yourself a little bit that the the bungalows are a good option, but if you really want to treat yourself, if you want to have the day that I would recommend in Labadee, you're looking at the cabanas. And once I tried cabanas, I have never gone back. I've done the cabana every single time because I, quite frankly, I really, really, really like what they offer. The cabanas are little huts that you get, and they're available in two different beaches: Nelly's Beach and Barefoot Beach. Now, as I mentioned earlier, at Barefoot Beach, the cabanas there are only available for guests staying in a suite. And that used to only be the case. And if you listen to a really old podcast or read some old blog posts in here, you may find some references to that. But in recent years, Royal Caribbean added new cabanas to uh, Nelly's Beach. And these are available for all guests. You can reserve the cabanas at Nelly's Beach by going to your cruise plan. I would recommend you doing it sooner than later and reserving it there. They're pricey. All the cabanas are pricey. You're talking about something that starts in the $300 range. It goes all the way up to about five, dollars $600, depending on the time of year and whatnot. So... Uh, but keep in mind that account, that can accommodate up to six guests. Their service provided for you includes snorkel equipment and includes floaties, uh, bottled water. The reason why I like it, why I love the cabanas, and I don't just like the cabanas, I love the cabanas, is the privacy, having a private spot to go back to. The shelter, we're not big, hey, let's go sun ourselves until we turn a nice color of orange. <laughs> we like to... I'd rather just be able to sit in the shade and enjoy the breeze kind of thing. We also have kids, and it's wonderful for kids because it's out of the sun. But, you know, for naps, there's a padded bench and some lounge chairs there that are padded as well. It's great for them. Basically, a retreat for the family. It's a home base, and they can come. When my kids were a lot younger, it was perfect for napping. These days, they, of course, like every child, they fight the nap. But I still like them a lot. And if you can get four, five, six people there, it's a really great option in terms of the price per person per hour. I mean, you can't find excursions that cheap. Ideally, if you can, try to find another family to to split it with. If you're traveling with a group, you know, if you can get, obviously, it says up to six people. There, If you bring in eight people and don't say anything, they'll be fine with it. You also get a cab cabana attendant, which I really like. Cabana attendant is basically there to help you all along the way. You have, obviously, drink services you need. They're there to help you. They can also provide private a golf cart service, both back to the back to the ship and anywhere else in the island. You want to go to the restrooms, which are somewhere away, you can, they'll take you there. If you want to go to one of the to the, to lunch, they will take you there as well. Now there are some minor distinctions between both cabanas on Barefoot Beach and Nelly's Beach. First of all, at uh, Nelly's Beach, they don't have an upgraded buffet like they do on on Barefoot Beach. The reason being, at Barefoot Beach, is a suites only, so they get a private, they get an upgraded buffet. Whereas Nelly's Beach, you have you have the right, you go to all the other places with everyone else. The difference is though that they will come and drive you with that golf cart back and forth. 
I will admit the first time they offered me the golf cart service, like, oh, I don't need a golf cart service. Come on now. But it is really cool and it's very convenient. And with my kids, I will tell you it's worth that all the time. Uh, and really just enjoy it. I mean, it, it, this, I like the service. I like not having to go track down my own drinks. You can call me lazy if you want. I just, to me, I'm on vacation. I want to indulge a little bit. And this is where I like indulging. I might go cheaper somewhere else that we're going on this cruise. But Labadee, getting the cabana. To me, it's, it's really worth it, and I'm a big fan of the cabanas. Now, in our show notes, I'll post links to photos and more information about the cabanas in general. I'm a big fan of the overwater cabanas. If, you can, if you're going to do one cabana, if you only do one cabana in your life, do the over-the-water cabana. They are really, really nice there. Now, there's also shopping uh, in terms of what's to do in Labadee. There's an artisan village. There's actually two places. There's the artisan market and the artisan village. The market is more of a sh- traditional shop, meaning – you go there. The price listed is pretty much the price, and it's kind of a, it, it, it's a, it's a. There's not nearly as much selection, but it's more of a local crafts and whatnot that you can purchase there. Now then, there's the artisan village, and the village is more of an open air market where guests are expected to haggle with the vendors. I've heard lots of different opinions on the artisan village in general. You, I would say that this is what I will tell you. When you're talking about going, if you should go to the village or not, I would tell you that going to the marketplace is fine. The market is, again, it's more of a store with preset prices and they're handmade goods and it's fine. It's basically a large covered um, uh, store, if you want to call it that. The, whereas, again, the artisan village is a bunch of uh, locals who are sh- selling their wares. And again, it's more of like a shuk in the in the Middle East or uh, you know, a straw market or something like that. If you don't, if the idea of haggling doesn't bother, if you enjoy the idea of haggling or coming up with your own price, it's going to be fine. But if you don't like haggling, if you don't like the prospect of people, you know, consistently asking, you know, to come check out their stuff and negotiating prices, I would say you should skip it. It's more of a comfort factor than anything else, and I think that people who are not comfortable with that kind of experience are often surprised by it, and they end up having a negative experience there. So as long as you're prepared for it, I would say that um, it, you know it, the, the thing about it is understand that the vendors can be a little bit pushy, and not everyone's comfortable with that. But if you want an authentic souvenir from Haiti, this is your only option, and the market is less intense compared to the village. But again, if you're prepared for it and you understand what's to expect, you can have a good time with it, and you can have fun, and people get some great things out of there. So, you know, it's a matter of expectations and what you're comfortable with. That basically wraps up a day in Labadee. There's a lot. It's basically hanging out in the water and spending a beach day there. What's nice about Labadee is it's really easy. The walk from the ship to the beach is very convenient. And you should feel no pressure to do anything but grab a beach chair, sit there, and spend the rest of your day in the water or out of the water and and then back and repeat as necessary. What I love about Labadee is the lushness of it. I love the amount of options that are on Labadee, and it's quite honestly, it's a beautiful area. I mean, really, really nice. If you're looking for something fun and free to do, I really recommend doing a walk around Labadee. There's a number of ruins in Labadee. There's also some nice rock formations, great nature walks, and especially if you're looking at the map of Labadee, if you're looking down Labadee, on the west end of it, there's a number of areas you can do. There's, again, you'll see posted walking tours that you can go nature paths and whatnot, and the rocks at all the way in the end on the west side have quite a bit uh, to see and some great views. Bring your camera if you do any of these. And it's good for the afternoon or maybe early in the morning, uh, depending on the weather. I mean, obviously, this is in the Caribbean. It can get quite warm, especially in the summertime. So depending on when you're going to Labadee, you know, it can be, it's going to be hot. I, I, I have yet to go there where it's not hot. But 
it is a really cool experience. And you know what? After so many years of visiting Labadee, it's I still love it. I look forward to every single trip. We started off doing the beach thing, and then we ended up with the cabana thing, and I've never looked back from that. But there's so much to do on board. I really like what Labadee offers, and it, 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 there's – I think there's something for everyone, really. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but really and truly, it's a really fun day when your cruise ship stops in Labadee. How about we answer your emails about Royal Caribbean? In fact, I invite every single one of you who are listening to be able to send me an email and talk about any aspect of the cruise experience. We have a question, a comment, you read something at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com you want to talk about. This is your opportunity. And of course, you can do so by emailing me at Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email this week is from Damien from Lisbon, Connecticut, who writes, In the disembarkation episode, Matt, excellent episode on disembarkation, but you forgot to touch upon one subject. What happens or what is the process if you have an excursion on the last day? An excursion slash transfer. Great question, Damien. You know what? I've never done this before. Certainly read about it. But Royal Caribbean does offer excursions on disembarkation day. So you get off the ship, cruise is over, but... You can still actually do some fun things with Royal Caribbean. This is great for folks who are maybe staying in the area for another day or so or just have really late flights. Certainly, you're looking for something to do, and Royal Caribbean offers excursions. Now, depending on which cruise port you're disembarking on will depend on what's available to you. Usually, there's a few options. Not a lot. I've usually only seen a a couple of options. But again, I'm sure there's probably more disembarkation excursions offered in Barcelona or in Rome than there are in... Port Canaveral, Florida. <laughs> but there are some things you can look into. And what's nice about this is there's a couple of options. Number one, obviously, Royal Caribbean will hold on your luggage for you. That's a big pro to this. Uh, people who often are looking to spend some time in the morning and afternoon before their flight home in the evening or whatnot often struggle with, where do I put all my stuff? Because the cruise is over. I can't leave it on the ship. So they'll hold it for you. Also, it's organized, so Royal Caribbean will take care of you for it. What they're, what's going to happen is just like a regular shore excursion, Damien, Royal Caribbean will let you know where and when to report for the excursion. They tend to, at least in my experience, be a little bit later in the morning, like not at 7 a.m. or like 9.30 in the morning or even later. Depends on what you're looking to do, what the excursion is, and, and a variety of other factors. But you should get paperwork in your stateroom before the last day, letting you know exactly where you need to go and uh, reporting there. Following the excursion, they'll bring you back to the port area and you can pick up all your stuff and, of course, be on your way to wherever you happen to be doing. It's something that a lot of people do take advantage of, especially in Port Canaveral going to Kennedy Space Center. That's a great option for a lot of people if you've got some time to spend. But, again, if you've got, like, you know, an afternoon or late afternoon or, or evening flight, a disembarkation excursion can be a great idea. So thank you, Damien, for reminding us about that. Next up, we have an email from Shay Lowe who writes, You do such an outstanding job. Thanks for that. Quick question. If you're taking a cruise that stops in Cuba, but you don't plan on exiting the ship, do you still need a visa? I know Royal Caribbean is planning to streamline this by adding it to your CPAS card on day one, but what if you're simply not interested? I ask because I'm traveling with some people who would rather stay on board. You know, that's a really good question. I don't know if they've answered that one. I would suspect, Shay, it's a lot like gratuities, automatic gratuities. I think it's going to have, it's going to be auto-charged. You can certainly inquire about it when you get on board the ship and be like, hey, I'm not going off the ship, you know, and I'm not sure if there's a way to track it that they can tell if you used it or not, but I would speak to guest services, Shay. As far as I know, there's no, they haven't announced a plan for it because uh, what Shay's referring to is cruises that go to Cuba have a, it requires a visa in order to get over to Cuba uh, when you get off the ship. This is true of some countries like Brazil is another one of that and, and Russia is another one I can think of off the top of my head. But usually in countries like this, it's up to the guest to come up with a visa. 
But in, not always the case, but usually. Anyway, the point is that with QB, you don't have to worry about it. Royal Caribbean will take care of it for you, but they're going to auto-charge all the guests on board just to streamline the whole process. And obviously, if you're not interested in going there, uh, I guess, Shay, I was going to ask why you're on that cruise to begin with, but it sounds like you've got some folks that are traveling with you on the cruise, but not interested in Cuba, but you are, and that makes more sense. Uh, so, yeah, I would, talk to, I would speak to guest services at the very least, and once they get on board, especially after day one, and let them know exactly what's going on. Uh, again, if I'm not sure if it's something like one of those things where they can wait until after your stop in Cuba, and they'd be like, hey, look, I never used my visa. Can I get a refund for it? That's probably where I would start anyway, Shay. It's a good question. And, of course, once we start having cruises to Cuba that begin in late April, we'll have a better idea about maybe what the answer to this question is. But, of course, if anybody runs into this situation and gets a good answer, I would love to hear about it. Send me an email, matt at royalcommunblog.com. Next, we have an email from Quentin who writes, Hey, Matt, I don't think you've done a topic of land versus cruise vacations and why you would choose one over the other. Or are land vacations still a thing? <laughs> you know what? It's it's a really good uh, debate topic, certainly, because there's pros and cons to both. You know, in terms of value, I think you're very hard-pressed to compare to a cruise ship. I mean, when you, especially when you consider that cruise ships include food and entertainment. In many cases, on a land vacation, that's just not the case. The closest thing you get is an all-inclusive a resort, that is. And even then, I, you know, the, the land vacation, that, that all-inclusive resort doesn't go anywhere, whereas your cruise ship goes to different ports. You know, there's there's pros and cons to it. I think what a cruise vacation offers, there's a number of factors that, the reason why I like to cruise, the reason why my family likes to cruise, and the reason why I think it's a better choice, personally, and again, keep in mind that I'm terribly biased, but as being as um, objective as I can, Quentin, because it is a good question, the, first of all, a cruise ship offers quite a bit for everybody to do on board, whether you're, you know, my six-year-old daughter or myself or my parents, it, it, there, there's lots going on board. And, and having that variety of options is great for families because, as you know, not everyone wants to do the same thing all the time. There's got to be some bit of flow to it. And on a land vacation, you could say, well, yeah, of course, you've got the whole, you know, you go to New York City. There's plenty to do in New York City. You're not going to run out of things to do, and you're absolutely right. But you got you got to get there. you got to go figure it all out. You've got to go take taxis, subways, buses, uh, you know, walk all over the city. Whereas on a cruise ship, it's a little more, it's a little easier to plan. Again, I'm not discounting the virtues of New York City. Don't get me wrong. I love New York City. But it's a little bit, it's a very different experience um, and certainly a lot more uh, digestible, if you will. Now, once again, value-wise, I mean, in, your cruise ship includes all your, your food, your drinks. Not, I mean, I, I don't hesitate to say all because, of course, there's specialty and there's alcohol, which is on top of that. But you'd be paying probably for alcohol in many cases on top of it, unless it's an all-inclusive resort. But again, the other factor is your cruise ship goes to different places in the world, right? One day you're in Cozumel, the next day you're in Grand Cayman. When you go to an all-inclusive in Jamaica... You wake up the next day, you're still in Jamaica. And the next day, you're in Jamaica. And the next day, you're still in Jamaica. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with being in Jamaica or any of those places. But having that variety is really nice. And in many places, i found, the all-inclusive resort, at least, they tend to be out, not in the middle of nowhere, but certainly in their own areas. And touring outside is either not as prevalent as other types of vacations or it's actually discouraged depending on what's going on. So people just figure, well, all my food and drink is included here. Why would I leave, right? And at least with cruise ships, you get an opportunity to explore a little bit more, in my opinion. Um, and certainly Royal Caribbean offers cruises to all over the world. I mean, you can make, I think it's kind of a the same argument, well, you can go on a land vacation anywhere in the world. And I mean, there's a, 
obviously a little more variety than cruise ships offering, but I think for most folks, where the cruise ships go covers the most popular spots. You know what I mean? So um, it's it's an interesting topic when you consider it. They both have their advantages. They both have their disadvantages. I would say the disadvantage to a cruise is you have a little less variety and choice of where you're going. You uh, also have less time in where you're going. So I mentioned you're going to Cozumel, you're going to Grand Cayman, you're going to Labadee, but you also only have maybe eight hours in each port. I would argue on the flip side, if I have my rebuttal, <laughs> that it's more, you know, that that's plenty of time to be able to do something really fun in there. And that's what's all about. You don't have to go do the, you know, C, D, and E level uh, options that are in that place. And, um, you know, I, I think it, the reality is, I think you can obviously do both. And for a lot of times, in fact, you can combine both. That's even better, right? Go to New York City for a couple days and then go on a cruise on Anthem of the Season in New Jersey, you know? And then there you go. You got, you got your bases covered there. But I really think at the heart of it, really, Quentin, it comes down to value. And I highly doubt you can find a comparable experience that offers the same kind of value, especially when you consider that cruising offers includes your food and drink and entertainment. You know, that's a that goes a long way for a lot. I mean, almost anywhere else on land vacation, that's going to eat up any savings you get compared to the cruise fare. And despite the changes in the cruise industry over the last few years and whatnot, cruising is still an excellent value. And for that reason, um, I'm a really big fan of it. I certainly have had my fair share of land vacations, but it depends on what you're looking to do. And, and I think that obviously being terribly biased, as I mentioned earlier, a cruise vacation is still, uh, my preferred way of seeing the world, but you know, to each their own, I suppose. Good email, Quentin. Let's uh, keep things going here with our next email. And it is from Kristen McDole, who writes, Hey, Matt, I'm sitting here listening to this last week's podcast. I wanted to email you an additional note I was not aware of before our Harmony of the Seas cruise. My son is seven years old and is diagnosed with ADHD, and I was nervous about potential behavior issues in Adventure Ocean since it's a new environment. They could sense my nervousness when we sign him up, and since he is technically considered special needs due to his diagnosis, they offered us a phone when he was there. He's seven years old, so he was in Explorers Group, and I was surprised this was even an option. After two sessions of zero issues, we didn't use the phone the rest of the week, but that peace of mind the first two days was really nice. I will also add, I was so overly pleased with the staff of Adventure Ocean and their patience with the children. It seems we have small issues in school each week, hence my, my hesitation where it was coming from. They were so well-trained in Adventure Ocean and are willing to adapt to each individual child to make sure each child thrives and has a great time. I had to drag him out there every night and pay $5 to get him to get off in St. Martin with us. I wanted to share this info with you and for anyone else who has a child with a similar diagnosis or less extreme special needs, that there were options for phones outside of the nursery and just how great the staff is with these needs. Keep up the great work and hoping to catch more Periscopes soon. Kristen, thank you so much for the email. That's wonderful to hear. Uh, like we said on the on that podcast episode about cruising with young children, I am constantly impressed by the Adventure Ocean staff. There are many times I kind of, you know, not that I forget, but, you know, I, I'm reminded of it when I get back on board, but like how attentive and caring they are. There is a difference between being attentive and caring. They're both. And the fact that that happens there is something that I don't think Royal Caribbean's Adventure Ocean Program gets nearly enough credit for what they do for kids on board. In fact, it's something that I always say that Royal Caribbean doesn't get enough credit for in general when you're talking about kids and family cruising and the level of attention that they get there and the, and the diversity of the program that Adventure Ocean has and really how much fun the kids have. I mean, this is not the, this is not the ball pit 
at the mall where you dropped your kids off and, you know, they just sat there for a couple hours and you came back and got them. You know what I mean? This is a very different experience and a lot of fun, very engaging. And again, the staff is truly impressive. So, Chris, and I am so glad uh, that you were able to share this with us. I'm sure there are other folks here who are in a similar situation and had similar concerns. So thank you very much, Kristen. And time for one more email, one more email. And that comes to us from Chris, who writes, Hey, Matt, love the show. Thanks for all the helpful information. I just got back from my nine-day Oasis holiday cruise. We departed from Port Canaveral on a Friday. On embarkation day, the, the crew at the port were very disorganized. Glad I took your advice and checked in around 10.30 a.m. Later that day, I met a lady who was pinnacle, and um, she said she had a rather long wait as well. I upgraded all of our cabins for a holiday surprise for the family. We had four cabins on the 10th deck Central Park balcony, and mine was 10th deck Central Ocean View balcony. Cabin 606 on the Oasis has a larger balcony due to the location of the ship. I rented two beach beds on Haiti for Christmas Day, and this was one of my favorite parts of the vacation. Let's just say Lapidus on a beach bed is a lot of fun. Giovanni's and Sabor were amazing. The saying great may be the best I've ever had. Their crew was great, and the weather was amazing. Some guests complained about the wind at sea. I just reminded them it was 32 degrees back home, and the complaining stopped quickly. The only issue I encountered on the trip was in Cozumel. My cousin was not allowed to take his wheelchair provided from the ship off the ship. This happened to a few other guests also. We had my time dining, and I found it very confusing for the main dining room. We would check in on the third deck and then all moved all over each night from the fifth deck back to the third deck. Never getting settled with the same service staff. Service in Giovanni's was above and beyond. I'll leave you with one short experience from Giovanni's. The server came to the table, told my mother and uncle, unfortunately, the lamb they ordered was no longer available. They looked at me with some disappointment and chose some other entrees. After a few moments, the waiter said he was joking and said they would have loved the lamb even more. As the entrees arrived, he was asking if everything was to everyone's liking. I pushed my veal away from me and said it was inedible. The server came sprinting to my side, and the table took the look of panic drew across his face as he and the rest of the table watched me. I explained to the server the veal was amazing, and it was just a little bit of payback for telling us they ran a lamb. With a sigh of relief, he shook his head laughing and gave me a hug, saying he will never forget this moment. Sorry for the long email. Thanks. Looking forward to the upcoming year of podcast episodes, and I will admit I enjoyed this cruise better than my Disney cruise last year. Chris, thank you for the email. Awesome feedback all around. Thank you. A couple things I picked up from you. Number one, I'm glad to hear about the beach beds. I've never actually been on a beach, but I've seen them, saw photos of them. Uh, I'm glad to hear you had a great time over there. I will point out, with your dining room, I would suggest, based on what you just mentioned there, when you were citing, that you're probably your best bet, Chris, is on your next Royal Caribbean cruise, because I know you're going to take another one, is to go with traditional dining. You get the same weight staff. Granted, it's the same time every night. I don't think that's a problem, and certainly I know that you mentioned that you cruised on Disney before, so they have set times as well. I think you'd like it. I think it's I, – I enjoy having the same wait staff, the same table mates every evening, and you don't go between different decks. You always have the same table in the same location. I like that. And it sounds like you probably do as well, at least based on what I was reading in the email here. What? And I love the story about Giovanni's table. It's always good when you have a waiter's sense of humor, and, of course, you took the opportunity to return the favor there. So <laughs> that is great. Chris, thank you so much for the email. And thanks to everybody for checking out the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. Of course – I want to hear from you. I love emails. If you got an email like Chris and you want to share your stories from a recent cruise or you're like, Kristen, I missed something and you want to share an experience with us, I would love to have that here on the podcast. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.